Welcome to the One New Man Network from Kirtlandry Ministries at House of David, where we learn about the Jewish roots of the Christian faith. The following is a replay of a previous service. For I will give you more of me, says the Lord. I will give you more when you give me more. As you surrender, I release to you your destiny, your purpose, and your power. Ask me for much, and I'll give you more. Ask me for abundance, and I'll give you abundantly more. For this is the hour of my outpouring of the latter rain glory, says the Lord. And I will hold nothing back if you hold nothing back. Surrender to me, for I am your good shepherd. I am the high priest of your sanctuary. I am the author and finisher of your faith. I am Adonai Eloheinu. I'm Bishem Yeshua. I am El Gibor. I am your mighty God. For tonight I bring you a word that will transform you into that which you have asked for. For I call you kings and priests according to the order of Melchizedek. I had you on my heart when I immersed in the Jordan River with my cousin, Yochanan the Immerser. For I saw you then, and I see you now. But now is the time of the equipping, the time of the empowerment. For this is my Passover, says the Lord, the Passover of all Passovers, a time when I release justice and judgment to remove all that hinders you from answering your call at the highest level. So kings and priests, Lay down your garments. Lay down your fears. Pick up my garments and take the faith that I have deposited in you. For you will do great and mighty things. Great exploits lie ahead. Fear not. You don't have to be perfect. For I sent the perfect one to cover you in his blood. For this is your hour. This is your time, says the Lord. Receive my impartation tonight of revelatory direction, correction, and instruction. And I will take you to that next level. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're going to stay in this anointing. I'm going to speak into this. So I'm going to go ahead and have you seat, sit. Thank you, worship team. Thank you so much. We're going to go ahead and just stay in this atmosphere of holiness. God is good. Tonight I'm going to, I've had all the scriptures in my notes, and they've coming out of David Stern, the uh, complete Jewish Bible. So a lot of people ask, and they say, what would be the best way for Christians to start being introduced to some of the uh, Hebraic influence that's in the text. This is probably one of the better ones. Um, David and I go back a long way. Very pure heart, genius, and a theologian as well. But um, this is where your text will be coming from tonight. And I'm doing it because we need to look at what God is doing this Passover, 
when the team asked, and they always do, and they say, Rabbi, what's the Lord speaking to you? And he says, this is the Passover of our heritage. So if it's the Passover of our heritage, it means there's going to be a release in the spirit realm of that which is the true DNA out of the courts of heaven into our life so that we can answer the call at a very pure and powerful level that we haven't experienced before. It would be, I'm not saying it is, but it would be like a, a real jubilee. And, um, but one of the questions that comes up, and we have people that will join us for Passover on Friday night, April the 19th, and then again on April the 26th, but some of them are of concerns will not stay for the immersion on the 20th or on the 27th. And so I want, I want to encourage you to receive this download that the Lord has given me because as long as you look at water immersion as Christian baptism, you're going to miss the opportunity for an experience with God that you can have in no other way. And um, so tonight we're kind of going to go into the, uh, into the text, but mostly into the Spirit so that when we do make it into the water, you understand why you're there, and you can put an expectation on the Lord by faith for something major to happen in your life. I can say this, that this Passover and this immersion will be like no other that we've ever had. We've been doing this 18 years and doing immersions for I don't know how long, and, uh, but in the first three years, we immersed over 8,000 people with life-changing testimonies. And um, so I want to go ahead, and we have many online and many here in the house that don't even know that there's an immersion pool here. We call it a mikvah. It's not technically really a mikvah because the water is not living, even though it's a saltwater pool. But to be technically under kosher law, it would have to be living water, meaning that there would be a stream coming out. But it it's, does not have that. But in Jewish culture, when you go into a mikvah, you also go in naked, and we don't do that. So, <laughs> But I'll, I'll refer to that. But for my dear friends and my rabbi friends that are watching, I just said that so that you understand that I know where we're coming from here. We have enough problems in House of David without having a naked baptism. And uh, we don't need to feed the other problems that we have. So, but I want to go ahead and show you a picture of the immersion pool here at House of David. It's beautiful. Isn't that something? And there's a lot of symbolism there because that water does flow down from under the ark, symbolic of the water coming from under the throne of God. And... Uh, it's beautiful, and for some of you, it's also heated because I am a wuss. It's 89 degrees, and uh, I think cold water is from the devil. So that's not tr maybe not true, but in my life it is, and I'm the one that's in there with my wife for three and four hours at a time, so please tolerate me while we're in there at 89 degrees. Now... I want to talk to you about the revelation that comes out of the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 6. 
and we're going to read it out of the, uh, the Jewish Bible. It says, who has caused us to be a kingdom? That is, Koin for God, his father. To him be the glory and the rulership forever and ever. Amen. So we're used to hearing this, that who has made us kings, who has made us Kohen priest, who has made us kings, and who has made us priests. Now, I want you to really slow down because with this revelation, I'm just going to give it to you the way the Lord gave it to me. When something is made, that is something that is finished. But when he causes, that means there is a transformation of cause and effect in process. Like you plant a seed and he causes it to grow. When something's made, that means it's a finished product. And I believe that this translation that he causes us to be a kingdom is, is, is really relevant because sometimes you can think if you're a king that it's about you and it's your kingdom. No, this is about us being king, little K, under his kingdom, big K. Okay? But that word cause is a person or thing that gives a rise to an action, a phenomena, or a condition. It's a cause has a source, it has a root, it has an origin, it has biblically a genesis. There has to be a place where the cause and effect has a starting place. It has to start someplace. And when revelatory understanding, God's appointed times, and God's anointing come together as a three-stranded cord, that's when a suddenly happens. And we're so used to operating in our own calendars and in our own ways that sometimes we miss opportunities that God is setting before us. So I want to talk to you about embracing what he's caused us to be. He's caused us to be kings and priests. The revelation of king and priest is, is what will take the dominion over the seven mountains of influence. God will put kings and priests in all seven mountains of influences and different ones and areas. He's in the process of preparing them. I'm prophesying to you in a normal voice. He's preparing kings and priests in all seven mountains of influence to take rulership over those mountains. These kings and priests are actively and in healthy relationship with the fivefold ministry. The fivefold ministry is not taking dominion in the seven mountains. The fivefold ministry is training the apostles, the prophets, to go into the seven mountains. Kings and priests are either apostles and prophets or apostle prophet or prophet apostles, but they operate in all the gifts and they have authority from the Lord. They are chosen by God, and they are not chosen by men. 
Most of them have been rejected by men, and now God is bringing them back home to empower them for this latter rain revival. Now, I did a little bit of research when the Lord called me Thursday. He says, I want to show you something about the immersion or the mikvah. And so I just want to share with you my research. It's not too deep, but it's deep enough for you to understand that you need to change the way and don't put immersion into the baptism, to the baptism box. I've even announced it already that I was going to teach on this, and I've already had some pushback, like you're double baptizing. We're not double baptizing. Look at the symbolism of what God is saying. Amen? You know what a definition of a Pharisee and a Sadducee is? It's one that is not teachable because he or she thinks she already knows. So if you already know, then why aren't you walking in power? Why are you not walking in favor? Why is it when you walk by people, your shadow isn't healing people? You hearing what I'm saying? So there, maybe there's something missing. The mikvah offers the individual, the community, and the nation of Israel the remarkable gift of purity and holiness. I can speak to you as the senior leader of this organization that the volunteers and all of us, and it takes over a hundred to do this immersion, that we get more out of it than the people that come. And the reward for, for being the host or the watchman or the priest of the mikvah at House of David is that we get blessed because God allows us to go in, and our people always go in last. But I don't think that we'd be walking in the holiness, the purity, and the power without that revelation and without that experience. Immersion in the mikvah has offered a gateway to purity even, I mean, and ever since, ever since the creation of man. Because a lot of times, if we're going to just put immersion into the baptism, then we think it started with a man named John the Baptist. His name was not John the Baptist. His name was Yochanan the Immerser. And there's a reason why his name was Yochanan the Immerser. But it did not start with him. Okay? So... The Midrash, it's an ancient commentary of the biblical text for the part of the Hebrew Scriptures. Uh, it was written around 2nd century A.D., but much of the content in the commentary is much older. But the Midrash relates that after being banished from Eden, Adam sat in a river that flowed from the garden. And that was an integral part of his teshuva, in the Hebrew it means repentance process, of his attempt to return to his original perfection. So immersion in mikvah started with the first sin, an attempt to be restored. 
Before the revelation at Sinai, all Jews were commanded to immerse themselves in preparation for the coming face-to-face with God. In the desert, the famed Well of Miriam served as a mikvah, and Aaron and his sons introduced into the priesthood and was marked by the immersion in the mikvah. Some of us, you'll hear us, we sing songs like Rise Up, O Well. That's the song of Miriam where they're asking that well in the desert where Moses struck the rock, and he did it twice for that well to rise up, spring up, O well. The concept of purity and impurity as a mandate by the Torah and applied within Jewish life is unique, and there is no parallel or equivalent in the postmodern age. So what we eat and how we take care of our personal hygiene, that is all biblical. If you live in a civilized society, your hygiene and your food, much of it comes from biblical principles. When they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, it gives us an extraordinary contemporary picture of the Jewish sect living in the wilderness with an outlook, customs, and laws that seem to be very much like John's. So we have a modern way to look. I agree with most scholars who identify the Dead Sea Scroll community as Hasin, a separatist Jewish sect of philosophy described along with the Pharisees and Sadducees, and we find that in the book of Josephus. Now, I think we're going to go here. Can you go to uh, Luke chapter 1, 59 through 66? Can you find that for me? Put it up on the screen. Luke chapter 1, 59 through 66. Luke chapter 1, verse 59 through 66. Now we're going to talk about Zacharias. Zacharias was a high priest, and they would cast lots, and it would be maybe once in a lifetime where the high priest would actually have the honor of going in to the holies of holies. And it was Zacharias's time, and he had a visitation from the Lord. And the scripture is very clear that with he and his wife, wife Elizabeth, that their barrenness was not because they were uh, not righteous, but that the Lord had wanting to honor them by giving them a special gift of a son that would be used to establish and change the world forever. So we're going to go into this scripture here, and I'm going to have to turn around because I can't see that far to the back screen. So it was on the 18th day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, no, he shall be called John. So now that his mother calls him John, John means the Lord Yahweh has shown favor and grace. 
Zacharias means the Lord will remember. And this high priest and this heir of Zacharias wasn't to remember, but to activate a new priesthood. And any time there's an activation of a new priesthood, then there's always a name change. No different than what happened at House of David, and I'm not comparing it, but when the Lord had us here on January the 11th, calling House of David the one new man embassy, you can see how things have changed. That adding that on was not just for marketing. That was a spiritual name change, and God has increased our territory ever since. Verse 63. And he asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote on it saying, His name is John. So they all marveled. Verse 64, and immediately his mouth opened and his tongue was loose and he spoke praising God. Verse 65, and then fear came upon all who dwelt with them and all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hills of the country of Judea, of Judah. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts saying, what kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord is with him. Let's go to Luke chapter 1, verse 78. Luke 1, 78. Through the tender mercies of our God, with which the day spring from on high visited us. They were referring to the anointing that this new priest was carrying a new spring of water. And anytime there's a new spring of water, there's going to be a change in the priesthood because no priests are ordained in the priesthood without either washing or immersion into the water. So let's go into the complete Jewish Bible in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, and I have it on my notes. And this will be just different enough for you to hear it in the Hebrew. Then Yeshua came from the Galilee to the Yarden, Jordan, to be immersed by Yochanan. But Yochanan tried to stop him. You are coming to me? I ought to be immersed by you. However, Yeshua answered him, Let it be this way now, because we should do everything righteousness requires. And then Yochanan led him. Why did this special priest, Yochanan, a Hasin, who was a separatist from the legalistic systems of Jerusalem, who comes down into the desert of Qumran, who immersed on a daily basis in prayer and fasting, bringing a message of repentance. 
And people were coming from all over Israel to be immersed into this immersion because they knew something was missing in the way they were interpreting and living in Jerusalem. See, God always, when he's going to do something special, he will always visit the, chas, the uh, Kohen. He'll visit the priest first. He'll release an anointing. He'll release a revelation. People couldn't just casually walk by Qumran and say, hey, by the way, since we're coming back from our time at the Dead Sea Spa, why don't we stop here and immerse with this Yochanan the Immerser? No, it took days of dangerous travel. In fact, from Jerusalem down to the desert in the wilderness where he was in this area, they literally would have had to go through the valley of the shadow of death of Psalm 23. So Yochanan the Immerser has his sect in Qumran. And when he decides that he's going to do multiple immersions, he moves north and he moves to the living water of the Jordan River, the Yarden. And where does God take him for this immersion? He takes him to the very spot where Joshua and Caleb crossed over from the wilderness into the promised land. The very place where the priests carried the ark, put their feet in the water, and Israel passed over into their heritage on dry land. And if you remember the testimony, they took 12 stones, one for each tribe, and they set them up in the bottom of that river. And God says, when it's time for me to shift authority in the priesthood, I will go back first and honor the Kohen, the Levites of Aaron. I will honor them and then raise up a new level of priesthood according to Melchizedek. So Yeshua said that the righteous requires or the law or the instruction <laughs> he understood that all priests must be immersed all priests must be anointed and in order to fulfill his own word because he is the word and the word became flesh even though he is a rabbi's rabbi he's 30 years old he's saying we must follow the instruction of my father See, Jesus was not water baptized because of his sin. Jesus was without sin, without spot, without blemish. He was not immersed for sin. He was immersed at 30 years old for activation. Jesus didn't need to be baptized, but he needed to be recognized by his obedience. Because the Lord told him, on this day and at this place, you will go and you will be immersed. And trust me, he knew what 12 stones and he knew the place from where they went to meet. 
They didn't just, it would have been a lot easier from Qumran just to walk really a few miles up. But oh no, they went up and we know where this spot is. House of David, Pastor Tim, all the eldership, we immersed in this very place as leaders. How many times did we go under? We went under seven times. <coughs> it was in the winter. And this particular location, um, when you drive in, they tell you to keep your car and your people on the road because there's landmines on either side. This is not the yard neat where they have the nice, beautiful walking down baptism. This is the actual spot. And while we were there, we had Israeli armed soldiers on this side, and we had Jordanian armed soldiers on the other side watching these crazy Americans go down into the freezing water, going down and getting up and yelling and blowing so far <coughs> seven times. It was literally a prophetic act of what will be released on the 19th and what's going to be released on the 26th here at House of David. Is this helping anyone? I'm going to say it again. Let it be this way now because we should do everything righteousness requires. Stay with me. Matthew 3, 16 and 17. As soon as Yeshua had been immersed, he came up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God coming down upon him like a dove, and the voice from heaven said, this is my high priest. This is my king. Is he the high priest? Yes. Is he a king? Yes. And there's many names and fabulous names of God. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is El Gibor. That's not what he said. He said, this is my son. See, this immersion wasn't into a priesthood. This immersion was into a family relationship that he desired to multiply. Whom I love and I am well pleased with him. In Hebrews chapter 6 verse 20 it says, where a forerunner, Yeshua, where a forerunner has entered on our behalf, when Yeshua came to the Yarden, to Yochanan the Immerser, he was there on your behalf. You weren't there, but he was carrying you and, your, and, his, and, and, and the seed of all that would be called by the name of the Lord. He was carrying them into that water. He was the forerunner. He entered in on our behalf, namely Yeshua has become a Kohen Gadol, a high priest forever to be compared with 
Melchizedek. Melchizedek's name means God is my king or the king of righteousness. The king of righteousness. Isn't that what he said to his cousin, Yochanan? We should do everything righteousness requires. We should do everything that the Pharisees require. We should do everything that the Sadducees, no. We should do everything that the Word of God says that is righteous. In Romans 8 and 29, because those who he knew in advance, he also determined in advance would be conformed. Come on, stick with me. Transformed or caused, not made, in process, in due season, to be formed and transformed to the pattern of his son who came and said, I must be immersed to be activated. Even God himself, God incarnate, had to be immersed to be activated for his three years of ministry. Why? Because that was the pattern of his father. And he said, I do nothing lest I see my father do it where? In heaven. So that he might be the firstborn. He's a forerunner. He's the firstborn among many brothers, brothers, not priests, not servants, not slaves. For this is my son, who I am well pleased. Sons have brothers. Your older brother was the forerunner showing you the way into the priesthood. Is your spirit hearing this? I know some of you won't hear it. But some of you will. In Romans 8.30 it says that he led the way to consider it righteousness. You know, true revival is holiness. When people truly repent and they're not bound by religious bondage and self-hypnosis that everything is okay. When the Holy Spirit comes with real fire to convict of sin, that's revival. I want to talk to you about kings and priests of the order of Melchizedek. Galatians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. So it is with us when we were children, we were slaves to the uh, elemental spirits of the universe. No power. 
No authority. Talking more about what the devil's doing and the demons than what God has done. We say no weapon formed against us will prosper, but yet we spend more time talking about the devil's activity than what God's covenant says in the courts. Children's talk. Verse 4. But when the appointed time arrived, thus saith the Lord, April the 19th, we're leaving Egypt. April the 20th, we're crossing the Red Sea, and we are going to be immersed into our authority as kings and priests, according to Melchizedek, that Yeshua paid for. On April the 26th, we are leaving Egypt again. And on April the 27th, we are immersing into our priesthood according to the order of Melchizedek that Jesus paid for. This is the appointed time, thus saith the Lord. If a watchman sees a sword coming upon the land and does not sound the alarm, the blood is on the watchman's hand. Officially, as of tonight, the blood is off my hands. I've told you. I text you. I Facebooked you. I've told you. Don't get hung up on some religious, cultural, don't confuse this with baptism. Let the Holy Spirit, let the Holy Spirit bring this home. Now listen to this. But when the appointed time arrived, God sent forth his son. He was born from a woman, born into a culture, say culture, in which legalistic perversion of the Torah was the norm. We love to criticize my Jewish brothers with all their legalistic, orthodox practices. But as one who lives in both worlds, I see ridiculous religious legalistic practices on the Christian side and on the Jewish side. I'm not talking about either one. I'm talking about you. Where are you at? Are you teachable? Or are you a know-it-all? And where did you get your knowledge? And what filter did you interpret it through? And why are you so afraid to be wrong? Well, we don't do it that way. And that's why you have the results you have. Because your traditions and the way you think has made the Word of God of no effect. If you want the Word to be effective and operating supernatural, then He must be the Lord and it must be done His way. In 1 John 3.10 it says, Everyone 
who does not continue doing what is right is not from God. Are we going to stand before the Lord? with a false calendar, false traditions, and when we get there, blame it on whomever. I think it's time that we allow the Holy Spirit to correct our paths. He's willing to do it if we'll surrender. But if we're stubborn and we're prideful, we're going to miss this time of our visitation. And we run the risk of what Jesus said, but we did this and that in your name. And he said, go from me, I did not know you. Those are believers. This is before Passover. Can you imagine after all the plagues and all the horrible things that happened in Egypt. You know, there were families where they came and they said, well, what are we going to do? And they said, well, I've got this message from Moses and Aaron, and what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to bring a sheep into the house, get to know it, make sure that it's without spot or blemish, and then after your kids get really comfortable with it and everyone likes having this cute little lamb in the house, then go outside, slit its throat. And your kids will love this. Then take the blood with hyssop and put it on the doorpost of the house. And then eat all of it. That's a little outside the box. And I'm sure there were some that said, well, I'm not doing that. And they didn't leave. See, there has to be a season of time when you allow yourself to be humbled before God to where you say, I don't know it all. I can't take what I've learned in the last 40 years being this or that, whatever label it is. And you need to learn how to hear a word from the Lord from the Holy Spirit and not sit there and be judging every single thing I say based off the scripture that you think you know. You spend more time trying to correct people like me with what I'm saying, and then that's in the process. You're not listening to what the Lord is saying. And I'll be honest with you, most of you don't know enough Scripture to keep up with the pace that I'm preaching. So you're better off just surrendering and ask the Holy Spirit to bring a witness, which He will, if you'll surrender your pride for not listening and thinking you know everything. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 5, now I'm not just preaching to you in the house, I'm preaching to that camera. Because I know who's watching. And this is going to save some people's lives. I'm going to give an altar call at the end of this service. The Lord told me. Because he says, there's people in here who think they know me and they're not even saved. And the Lord's going to send conviction into this house. And it's going to be hard because everybody knows you as Bob the save guy. 
And, and you've served on church boards and you've been an elder, but you've never had a true born-again experience with God and you're not filled with the Holy Spirit and that's why you struggle when God brings a strong word from God, you immediately resist it instead of saying humbly, maybe I'm the problem. See, God has had a, a pattern that I'm showing you of immersion from Adam up until now. And if the reason you're not walking as a king and priest in the power and dominion and authority with the provision and the health you need, maybe it's because you're just baptized. And that's great. Your name is in the book and you're saved. But baptism is baptism, and immersion is immersion. Galatians 4 and 5. So that he might redeem those in subjection to this legalistic and thus enabling us to be made God's sons. It's humbling to put on a pair of shorts and a t-shirt and walk into the water. I don't care what kind of a physique you have. Most of us, after we're wet, it is not an attractive thing. Every bulge, crease, and crack is going, oh. <laughs> I've not seen one person get out of the pool yet and go, hey, how you doing? But maybe the Lord is killing some legalism. I've got people on my staff. And yes, I'm speaking to you. Well, I just work here. I'm not, I'm really not them. I'm not going in the water. Get in the water. I've watched you. And I've watched your life go from this level of pressure to this level of pressure to this level of pressure. And I sit back as your boss and your rabbi. I wonder when they're going to wake up enough to humble themselves to get in the water and stop the pressure. See, obedience is better than sacrifice. I don't care what the Lord asks me to do. If the ditch out in front of this house filled up with water and the Lord told me to go roll around in the cold water, which I hate, in the mud, and everyone under your care would be saved, I'd be out rolling in it right now. Why? I want you to know God. I don't want you to know religion. 
I mean, pride even welled up in Yochan on the, the immerser. He said, I can't baptize you. He knew who he was. He said, no, let's just follow the pattern. God wants to make you a son. Now, because you are a son, God has sent forth into our hearts the spirit of his son, the spirit who cries out, Abba, Father, that is, dear Father. You know, just because, can, can you, just because your father wasn't good to you when you were young, can you just lay that aside and say, you know, you didn't have Ozzie and Harriet as parents. Your dad wasn't Mr. Rogers. Can we quit patterning the way we think about Father God based off some fleshly, earthly, failed experience and waste another 30 years of your life blaming your dad, your mom, or whoever. That's why he wants you in the water, to cut it off once and for all. You're not cutting it off to be sanctified. Yes, you'll be sanctified. Praise God. He is taking you into the water to give you a new identity as a king and priest. And you don't think of yourself as a king and priest. But he wants you to think of yourself as king and priest because he talks to you, downloads, and reveals to himself, himself through you as a king and priest. And the only way to trust that is to know him as Abba Father. So Yeshua must be immersed as not to break the instruction of the law. Exodus 29.1 Here is what you are to do to consecrate them for ministry. Amen? How many know that you are all called into ministry? You may not be in full-time speaking pulpit ministry, but you are called into one of the seven mountains of influence to take dominion. Amen? That is your ministry. You are as much in ministry as an electrician. You are as much in ministry as a politician. And, or a, a, whatever you're called into, you are called into ministry. And this is what the Lord says. He says, consecrate them for ministry to me in the office of a Kohen as a priest. Take one young bull and two rams without defect. So what happens is the first step in order to be a Kohen, a priest in Hebrew, is there must be blood. There is no remission of sin without blood. Exodus 29 and 4. Bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them in water. Do you see the pattern? Be saved and be baptized. 
apply the blood, get in the water. Now, I know that this scripture, bring them to the gate of the tent of many, and I know there was not an immersion pool at the gate, and I know that the Catholicism and the different ones use this for, the, for their uh, backing up. Well, that's why we only have to sprinkle because that's what Moses did. Get past all that, please. Because these priests immersed at the local mikvah before they even came to the gate of meeting. They would not have put on the priestly clothes until they fully immersed in the Lord. So don't just grab the one scripture and say, this is why we sprinkle. I know that, but you're wrong. It's not working. I mean, if you think it's true, look at the Godfather. They sprinkled Michael Corleone. It didn't work. Hello? And I know that's not an autobiography or a true story or a documentary, but there was somebody like him. And coming from my background, there's plenty of people who were sprinkled. And they're not priests according to the Order of Melchizedek. Hello? Leviticus 8 and 4. Moshe, Moses, did as Aaron ordered him, and the community was assembled at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and Moshe said to the community, this is what Aaron has ordered to be done, and Moshe brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. I'm just bringing you these scriptures to understand there is a pattern of purity in the water for the priesthood. Would you say amen? In Matthew 3 and 16 and 17, as soon as Yeshua had been immersed, he came out of the water and at that moment, say at that moment, heaven opened up. He saw the Spirit of God and it came, it's coming down upon him like a dove. So the God in heaven opens up heaven and comes down with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because of the water. So God likes the water. The Holy Spirit likes the water. Jesus likes the water. I like the water. And the voice of heaven said, this is my son whom I love and I'm well pleased. So he was activated. Into what? His inheritance. His inheritance was restored at the word of the prophet of all prophets from heaven, God himself activated Jesus. Revelation 22 and 1. Next, the angel showed me the river of the water of life, sparkling like crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. There's a river in heaven that is the mikvah of heaven. And God wants you to mirror that mikvah on earth. Colossians 2.11. I'm going to talk to you about immersion into salvation. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the non-Jews. Because there was all these questions. 
You have all these Jewish men. They're all circumcised in their flesh. You have all these Greeks and all these others, and they're not circumcised. And there's debates. Do we need to be circumcised? Do we not? And, and, and talking about their foreskin. And here's the response. Also, it was in union with him that you were circumcised with the circumcision not done by human hands. He's saying this isn't about the flesh. This is about the heart. But accomplished by stripping away the old nature's control over the body in this circumcision done by Messiah. So Messiah circumcises hearts in the water. Can I ask you an honest question? When you were water baptized, did anyone tell you that you needed your heart to be circumcised when you went into the water? Why does your heart need to be circumcised? Because out of the abundance of a man or woman's heart speaks. So if the heart is not circumcised, it speaks out of an Adamic nature and not out of a controlled, circumcised covenant nature. Is this helping anyone? I'm getting ready to close. Colossians 2.12, you were buried with, with him by being immersed and in union with him. You were also raised up along with him by God's faithfulness that worked when he raised Yeshua from the dead. So do you mean to tell me that the power of the resurrection power that raised Yeshua from the dead is in the water? That's exactly what it says. See, in Jewish culture, even today, women mikvah at the end of each, of each cycle. Men mikvah before all the feasts. Men mikvah before being grooms. Any special event, they mikvah. Why? It's because whatever that special event in is, it is a promotion. And in that promotion, they're going in and asking the Lord to bury everything that was bad from the past so that it doesn't come back to hinder them in their future. It's not one time. How many of you got water baptized the first time and had bad behavior after? Don't raise your hand. Is this helping anyone? Colossians 2.13. You were dead because of your sins. That is because of your foreskin, your old nature. Can I say it this way? Your old identity. Your old identity is now controlling your purpose, not your new identity. The reason you immerse is to put to death the old nature of the flesh to be recircumcised in your heart to believe for the new nature that is spiritual. 
But God made you alive along with the Messiah by forgiving all of your sins. He wiped away the bill of charges against you. That's what Robert Henderson teaches us. The accuser of the brethren, the antidikos in Greek. The antidikos puts you into a box. A box of false identity says this is who you are and sets you in that box with a label on it that says loser, worthless, shame, whatever it is, he puts you in that box and the Lord is saying if you'll go in the water, I'll release you from the box and you can become a king and priest. I like the way that David Stern says this, to wipe away the bills or charges against you because of the regulations. It stood as a testimony against us, but he removed it by nailing it to the execution state, stake. Stripping the rules and the authority of their power, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the means of the stake. For it was by one spirit that all were immersed into one body. See, the reason that we have a mikvah immersion pool at House of David, the one new man embassy, is you cannot be one new man without one new immersion. That's why the nations are coming on the 26th. One blood, one man unto the Lord. Where, the, where it says, immersed into one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. Where does this happen? In the water. I think I'm bringing a case to you that the enemy, through false religious doctrine stole the blessing of immersion just like he stole Passover from us. He stole the nine blessings of Passover and he allowed a bunch of people with uncircumcised hearts to pray, to proclaim mind and loose without the right response. Not questioning God because they're good people but shaming and questioning themselves that they're just not good enough to have the power of the Holy Ghost. And the whole time it had nothing to do with your lack of ability or the sin nature. It was a lack of understanding that Abba Father brought you into the water to release in you his heart to not only love him, but for you to love yourself. And it wasn't one time, praise God. It's a moed. He's inviting you into his waters. 1 Peter 3.21. This also prefigures what delivers us now, the water of immersion. Doesn't it read beautifully in the Hebrew? Which is not the removal of dirt from your body, but one's pledge to keep a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Yeshua Messiah. The resurrection power is in the water. Luke 3.16. So Yochanan answered them all, I am immersing you in water, but he who will be coming is more powerful than I. 
I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. He is immersing you into the Ruach HaKodesh, the fire. So it was that Yochanan the Immerser appeared in the desert, proclaiming an immersion involved in turning God from sin in order to be forgiven. People went out to him from all over Judah, as they did all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, confessing their sins, and they were immersed by him in the Jordan River. For it has been said of this place, the buses will come, but you have forgotten. For the Lord says, I have given you time to prepare. We're putting in a parking lot right after Passover. And it will have six inches of concrete coming in the drive and six inches on the turnaround and four inches in the rest. Why? Because the buses are coming. The anointing of Yochanan the Immerser is on this property. It is in this house. It is in you, the spirit of Elisha. And they will come, and maybe only one time, because God will bring those who are called to the seven mountains of influence, saying, I must be immersed into my priesthood. And they will come. Thousands will come. And they will taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm going to ask that you stand. Did this help anybody tonight? If it did, raise your hand. And I know for many of you I'm preaching to the choir because we've all experienced the immersion. But you need to be able to take this message and be able to explain it. See, you're, you don't get the emails and the call, call center. and the Religious people will always criticize that which would set them free. I want you to bow your heads. This is between you and the Lord. The love of Abba Father is here. The love of Abba Father is here. If there is something blocking you from being able to receive that love, the Lord wants to remove that blockage tonight. The Lord wants you to leave here tonight with a surety that you know that you know that you know you have absolutely no fear of death because you know because of the love of the Father. You know this, that if you were to die tonight, the Lord is extending his hand to you. 
you've known religion. In fact, you have pinned up anger inside because it hasn't worked for you. The Lord says, this is the night of your decision. This is a night where he says, don't play games. Don't let pride, don't let fear. But the Lord is wanting you to admit that you need help before it's too late. The Lord wants you to come to this Passover table, whether you're watching online or in this house, or you're not going to watch. He wants you to come to Passover at peace, that when he says, slide your feet under my table, that you feel like a son, not a slave to legalism, but a son or a daughter. He loves you. And if you're unable to experience that love, there's something blocking it. You may have never been saved. You may have been saved and you backslid. And now if you, cannot, if, if you cannot flow freely in the Holy Spirit and in the gifts that God's given you, something is blocking it. And the Lord says, I'm going to unblock you tonight. If you'll be honest with me, I'm going to unblock you tonight. And this is for everybody in the sound of my voice. This is for the worship team and people that come from the other churches that help us to worship. If the Lord is speaking to you tonight, you don't have to go up on the instrument. I want you down on this floor. I want you to be right with God. And if you're watching online, I want you to be right with God. You need to call the call center on Monday. Tell them that you prayed this prayer. Because this is no time to have any blockage of God's Father's love. This is a season when you hear the word 5779, justice and judgment, the law, God's love is so intense and he wants to pour it out in you. Quit judging yourself. Allow his justice to set you free. Quit being so hard on yourself. The Lord says, you've been too hard on you. He says, I didn't do it. You did it to yourself. Tonight, the Lord's saying, you need to trust me. If the Lord is speaking to you tonight to come out from agreement, you may have had witchcraft in your past. If you've had any witchcraft, any occult structures, any Freemasonry, any occult structures where you go in and out questioning salvation, questioning whether God loves you, if you're constantly focusing on, I've got to get better so that I can answer the call of God, if you're battling that, that is blockage, you need to get out of your seat and you need to come down front. No one's going to lay hands on you. I'm not laying hands on This is between you and God. He doesn't ever bring up a message. And he doesn't bring up something that he doesn't bring deliverance. He's going to break every yoke. He's going to break all worthlessness, all fear, all doubt, all shame. 
Some of you have been molested. Some of you have been raped. Some of you have been beaten. Some of you have been told horrible things. And the Lord says, I didn't do it, and I didn't say it to you. The enemy is a liar. Now there's a river flowing in this house right now. I can see the the fountain flowing from underneath literally flowing out from under the altar of the uh, altar of God out from under his altar. It is flowing into this room. It is filling this altar. The Lord says, bury it in the water tonight. Bury it in the water. Why do you care what people think? What's the worst thing they're going to say? I can't believe she or he went down. I don't really care what they think. The Lord resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. I can tell you this. If you're supposed to come down tonight and you don't, when you go home, you're going to have a miserable night. Because then you're going to have to battle with that voice in your head saying, I can't believe the Lord opened a gate and I was too proud. I didn't come down. Lord wants me to share a testimony with you. And I'm going to leave the name of the church out. Many years ago, there was a a church in our area. And it had a very large youth, youth group. Hundreds of kids. And everyone talked about how great this is. 350, 400 kids. And Christy and I at that time lived in Siloam Springs, Arkansas. We were up ministering with Pastor Tim. And it was Passover time. And I was driving home from Miami after Passover, and I had my Toledo on in the car. I wasn't wearing it, but I had it in the car with me. And the Lord said, I want you to put your Toledo on, and I want you to go into that youth group, because that night was their big youth meeting. And he says, I want you to sit there. Now understand that we're in Oklahoma. I'm not wanting to go into a large youth group with flashy lights 
and rock and roll music and sit on the back with a tallit on like the crazy Jewish person. So I pulled my car up in the parking lot. I put on my tallit and I walked in and and I sat down, but I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said, I'm going to give you a word. When you get to the pulpit, they'll invite you to speak. I sat in the back of this youth building behind this very large church. And the pastor there knew me. Not well. And I probably sat on that back row probably 30 minutes. Because that's all the Lord told me to do. And then finally the pastor of the church said, you know, he said, uh, Rabbi Kurt Landry's here and he says, I don't think he would be here sitting on the back row if God didn't give him something to say. So I'm going to have him come up and speak to you. And then the Lord gave me the word. And the word was, you think you're saved. Because you were born in this church. Your parents are elders, pastors, deacons. And you've had no real experience with the Lord. And you can't ride into heaven on your parents' coattails. And the reason the Lord sent me here today is that this weekend, two of you aren't going to be here. Two of you are going to not be alive at the end of this weekend. And you think you're going to heaven and you're not, you're going to hell. And God stopped me from going home to come here to tell you, don't go to hell. Now, if the Lord is speaking to you, and that's you, then I need you to get out of your seat and I need you to come down front. And you need to receive the grace of God that he's calling you out at this time and you're saying, Lord, I need to be sure because I don't know which two in this room it is. Over 350 kids came down front. And that weekend, there was a car accident. And two of the kids in that youth died. And they went to heaven, not hell. Get free tonight.
Let this Passover and this immersion be the most powerful Passover and the most powerful immersion. Answer the call as a king and a priest. It's not about what you do, it's what he's done. Now there's some of you in this room, and this is gonna be my last call. There's some of you that come out of a cult witchcraft background. And the Lord will set you free from that occult structure if you'll come out of your seat and come down now. The Lord's going to deliver you tonight. I'm not going to call you out. I know who you are. You haven't like snuck in here and like, oh, Rabbi, no, we see you and the others see you. So you can either get free tonight and let the Lord set you free because of the anointing that's here and break that yoke. Or you can miss this opportunity and probably have to go through months of deliverance. Because when you've been set over in an occult structure with curses from witches and warlocks, unless you have a situation like this, and you have witches in your family background and you have occult structures in your background, you need to come out of your seat and say, Lord, it's going to end tonight because you're asking me to come. If that's you, you need to come right now. I don't care what anybody else thinks. The leadership already sees it. Let's come out of agreement with it. Let the Lord set you free. Come on, the Lord's setting you free. If you're watching online and you've been dedicated by the occult from the time of your birth, even when you were young, you came in agreement with it. Get free from it. Just let it go. Let it go. He's going to deliver you tonight. You'll never have a time like this. That's why the Lord pulled me aside on Thursday. He says, this is the Passover of our heritage where I immerse people to be free. If you've got habitual sexual sin, you're into pornography, you're into adultery, you need to come down. You need to get that monkey off your back. Church doesn't want to deal with it. This isn't church. This is God. No one's making notes here. Get free from it. Get free from it right now.
It's robbing you. All the time you're spending focusing on that is stealing your tithe of your time that belongs to the Lord for meditation on Him. Get free from it. We're going to pray now. Let's all pray together. Father God, I confess I'm a sinner and I have iniquitous structures in my bloodline. We all have iniquitous structures. And we've all sinned and we all fall short. But tonight, Lord, I desire to be that king and priest that you call me to be. And I call on the blood of Yeshua in the courts of heaven to expunge all sins in my family line and to remove them from me that the antidecos, the accuser of the brethren, cannot use it against me anymore. I will not lose my call and my purpose over my sin or past sins. I humble myself tonight and I ask you to cleanse me by the blood of Jesus and immerse me in the river of life and wash me white as snow that I might be a new creation as a king and priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Thank you, Lord, for delivering me tonight, separating me consecrating me from all fear and doubt and unbelief. I am the saved of the Lord and my name is in his book. I will finish and I will finish well. I am the saved of the Lord. I am a son and his spirit is in me and it cries out Abba Father and if you just lift your hands now say Father God this house has been swept clean now Lord fill me with your fire and your Holy Spirit that I might be filled to overflowing. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and equipping me tonight, March the 29th, 2019. My name is in the book. I am saved as a son 
a king and priest according to Melchizedek. Well, now let's give the Lord a huge hand clap. Thank you, Lord. If you've said this prayer with us on the online community, if you would call the call center on Monday or Tuesday, and uh, we're going to send you something. I don't know exactly, but uh, Patty will figure out something. They'll send. We want to. I want to send you a gift to celebrate your your salvation and your new beginning of the Lord. Let's give all those who are online that said the prayers, give them a shout. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to have the worship team, if you would come up, please. And at this time, uh, ushers, if you, would, if you need an envelope, we're going to honor the Lord with our tithes and our offerings. Praise the Lord. It's a new beginning for you. The kavod's in the house. It's humbling when God comes and gets into your business. It's good. Don't go home and turn on the TV and go home and get into a quiet place. Thank the Lord. Pray in the Spirit. Pull out a journal and ask the Lord, say, Lord, what is it that you did in me tonight that I don't know? And you're going to start to write, and you'll get words of knowledge on yourself of what he removed from you. What you just experienced is revival. Revival is when the Lord brings true repentance. And what I saw down here, this was true repentance. It's a gift from the Lord. It's not condemnation. It's conviction. Amen? So we're going to go out in praise. And we're going to thank the Lord. And I want you to shake a couple people's hands or give them a hug if it's appropriate. You know what I mean by that. Some people can give you a nice hug and some people it's not appropriate. Don't do the inappropriate thing. Be nice. Look somebody in the eye and say, I'm glad you're with me. Because each one of you need each other. We're the body of Christ. Amen? Just tell them, I'm glad to know you. I'm glad that you're here. So we're going to go out and praise. We're going to go out in thanksgiving. And when you get up, before you take your offering, go like this. Dust the, the dust off your feet, saying, I'm walking into a new day. You need to go up and tell two or three people, saying, by the way, I'm a king and priest. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much for watching us online. And uh, we'll see you next Wednesday. Uh, if you could pray for me, I'm going to be in Quarterstone Church in Pittsburgh uh, doing uh, television with them uh, Monday and Tuesday, and I'll be back Wednesday for the service. So if you'd just be in prayer for that. God bless you. Shabbat shalom. 
Thank you for listening to this message from the One New Man Network. For more information, please visit us at theonenewman.com.